Are you guys, um, are you ready for the word of God today? Man, I am too. And uh, we're going to have fun. So grab your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter two, somebody. Okay. We found the Pentecostals. Um, (laughs) There are other people from other denominations like, why do you get so excited about Acts chapter two? You know, I don't understand. And so Acts chapter two. What's that chapter about? We're going to find out together. Um, I am beginning a new series today called The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. This is going to be fun. I can already tell. Right now, we have a virtual cornucopia of emotions in this room. Um, There are some people that are like, my day has arrived. Where is my tambourine? And... um, (laughs) And there are some people like, Ethel, get your purse. It's, a, it's one of those churches. Probably going to bring out the snakes. Um, there are no snakes. And, uh, and we really ask you to keep your tambourines still. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, just, just for the love and peace and mercy of all of us. And uh, we have a worship team. And we're so glad they're skilled at playing those things. And, uh, and if you want to be on worshiping, you can go to an entry point and we might let you play the tambourine. But anyways, um, but today I'm starting a series. Honestly, it wasn't, it was, I was working on a different series and then I really, I, and I do this a lot, but as I'm preparing for a series, I will keep going back to the Lord. Is this still where we're at? Is this still what we think we need to do? And I just really felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit say, no, I want you to, I want you to speak. Uh, and teach about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do a lot of teaching. We're going to go through a lot of scripture. But I want you to teach about the Holy Spirit. And, and then I realized that this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. Now, some of you, when I say the word Pentecost, we're going to get into this in just a minute. When I say the word Pentecost, um, for some of you, that means nothing. For some of you, you're like, oh, dear God. And for some of you, you're like, finally. Okay, so... I understand, depending on your various backgrounds and experiences, certain words can be triggers. But if you will just listen, just stay where you're at, and it's all going to work out. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to stop and really teach about the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to do. So we're in Acts chapter 2, and this is Pentecost Sunday, and I will explain what that means in just a minute. Um, It has nothing to do with a tambourine, a streamer, a banner, or screaming. Um, And so Acts chapter 2. Verse one, it says this, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, some, this is the NIV, but if you read a King James, New King James, ESV, they're going to say when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And I'm going to talk about what it means when it had fully come. Yeah, you also, and, and I don't have time to get in this, but you understand Bible, like Bible translations are all that. They're all translations. Uh, I grew up with some people that thought King James version, if you're a King James Bible person, I understand that. And there were some that would even say, I'm so glad I I use the authorized or the only right translation, the King James. I do need to understand and do need you to understand God did not actually write the King James Bible, nor does God speak King James. (laughs) Where we get the King James Bible from is a king named James who wanted the Bible in the, the king's English 
Thus, it has all the these and the thuses and the therefores and the for which cause and all those. And, and for me, I was raised with a King James Bible and, and I love the new King James. And so I, a lot of times if I quote a scripture, it's going to come out King James most of the time because it's what I grew up with and, and I'm not changing now. So if I put a thee or a thou in there, then you just go along with me. Um, but you just need to understand they're all translations uh, the Bible was written in Hebrew and, and Greek, you know, originally when it was taken down. Um, and, and also, you need to understand that there, when, when you look at Bible translations, there are, there are dyna- dynamic equivalencies and exact equivalencies. So your King James, New King James, ESV, and New American Standard, those are more exact equivalencies, meaning they try to go word for word in the translation. And then there are dynamic equivalencies, which would be more like your New Living Translation, a Living Bible, the Message Bible. You know, the Message Bible. You know, starts with the Sermon on the Mount. We're like, "What's up, everybody?" You know, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. And so, um, but um, and and here's what I need to understand: they're they're all given to help us. Okay. And like for me, I quote a lot of King James, New King James type scriptures when I quote scriptures. But honestly, every day when I read my Bible, I read a New Living Translation just because I enjoy it. It's pretty easy. I like the Passion Translation. It's a new translation that I kind of enjoy as well. And usually when I pull a text for a message, I usually will read it in no less than five or six translations every time I pull. And I also go back to the Greek or the Hebrew and kind of look at it word for word, just because I like to know exactly what the text is. And I look at the, there's a lot of, anyways, point is NIV says the full, when the day of Pentecost came and, and when you read it in other versions, say when it had fully come, it says they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing, blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What a fun text. There is so much in that text that it's going to take us several weeks to unpack it. And if you're sitting here and we just read that and you saw things like fire and sounds and rushing wind and you saw um, they were filled with the Spirit and you saw they spoke with other tongues and you got nervous, I just want to say it's okay. Just calm down. Don't run for an exit. We've already locked them. We're together in this now, friend. <laughs> but it's all going to be good. It's all going to be good. I, um, I'll give you my title. I called this message because this is where we're going to land the plane, if you will. But I called this message closest friend. Closest friend. And so um, let's pray and we'll dive in together. Father, thank you so much, God, for your grace, God, for your presence, God, for this moment with you, God, we are so grateful. And Holy Spirit, we're, we're going to get to talk about you today. And I pray that you would come and that you would speak and that you would reveal and you would open our eyes. And God, I just pray that as we lean in, Lord, that there wouldn't be any fear or anxiety, but God, that we would have an opportunity, God, just to learn from you, to learn about you and to even encounter you. So don't let us miss this moment at all. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Now, full disclosure, it, most of you probably know this, 
Um, but I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Now, you also need to know that there are lots of different genres of Pentecostal churches. Like I, I wasn't necessarily raised in a church where women couldn't wear makeup or had to always wear dresses. Now, I don't think we should make light of that or make fun. We never want to make fun of anyone who is sincere in their faith and trying to serve God and loving God. Does that make sense? But that's not the church. We didn't have snakes, right? <laughs> um, um, but one thing I, I love about being raised in a Pentecostal church is that when it comes especially to the Holy Spirit, you can't do anything to scare me because I have seen it. <laughs> I have seen stuff. That's what I've seen. I have seen some stuff because I was raised the way I was raised. And, and so there's, there's wonderful things about that because when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I'm very comfortable talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, I feel like I have a, a great understanding of the Holy Spirit. I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. Now, you also need to understand if you're like, oh my gosh, this pastor is Pentecostal, is Pathway a Pentecostal church. Well, it depends on what you would call a Pentecostal church, because if by that you're saying, are we part of a Pentecostal denomination? No, we're we we not. If by that are you saying, do we wear makeup or do we have, can we cut our hair and where does it end? Can we wear jewelry? Do we have long skirts? No, none of those things apply. You, you know, you can see I'm not dressed in a suit and tie. We probably have people wearing shorts today and we have people wearing slacks today because we're not focused on those things. And we definitely have people wearing makeup today. I'm not wearing makeup today. That would be strange. But we have people that are wearing makeup today. I think if the barn needs paint and you paint the barn, you do what you need to do. And so I'm just kidding with you. I'm just messing with you. And so... <laughs> And, and so, so by Pentecostal, is, is this where we fit? Or, or you know, no. Uh, let me explain. Um, we believe in water baptism, but we're not a Baptist church. Um, you might even call us, maybe, maybe this would be a good way to explain. We're Baptocostal in that we... Um, <laughs> And that we, we, we bought a baptized, but we're not necessarily a Baptist church. But there's nothing wrong with a Baptist church. Wonderful, wonderful Baptist churches all over the place. And, and, and you know, at the same time, we believe in, in spirit baptism, but we are not a Pentecostal church. Does that make sense? To everybody. And so, um, so where we land, I don't know. This is why when we started the church. I always said, we're a spirit-empowered evangelical church. And people say, why are you called that way? I said, because that phrase didn't exist and people couldn't categorize us if we use that phrase. They're like, what, what church are you? Are you Baptist? Are you Pentecostal? Are you Lutheran? Methodist? We are spirit-empowered evangelical church. What does that mean? Yes. <laughs> That's what that means. And, um, and so I, I'm grateful for, for, my, for my heritage um, but, but also there's, there's, probably, there's some things I experienced and saw that, that I don't necessarily, that I think sometimes can be a hindrance, honestly, when it comes to our faith in Jesus. And I think it was well-intentioned people. I don't think they were necessarily wrong or bad or anything like that. But, um, but I also, I want everybody to be able to come and have an encounter with God, right? And when we started Pathway, we wanted a church that you didn't need a tour guide or an interpreter to understand what was going on. 
We did. We wanted anybody. We wanted people who were far away from God to be able to come and lean in and sit in and feel welcomed and loved and be able to understand. That's why we put lyrics on the screen. That's why today, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to put all the scripture up on screens because we just want everybody to be able to come. And we even said this, we want people to come who they're not even sure there is a God or if they should serve him. We call those people kind of exploring God. We want it to be a safe place for people just to come and say, I don't know where I'm at on this whole faith thing and still be able to hopefully feel something, encounter something, or be a part of something and say, wow, this is, this is really good. Um, so let's, let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk about Pentecost, and uh, I want to tell you where the, where, what it is and where we get the word. So, because if, like I said, in that word, sometimes different, you know, somebody, I say Pentecost, and they went to a, a Pentecostal service one time, and it was a wild experience. And they're like, oh no, that's their concept of Pentecost. And then there are other people that are well-versed on what it is. And there are some of you, I say Pentecost, you're like, I don't know what Pentecost is. And so let me answer all that. So if we go back to God's people, to the Bible, all throughout Jewish culture, customs, and history, you're going to see that the Jews celebrate seven feasts, but there are three major feasts. Okay. The three major feasts are Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. But you probably know, no, there are seven feasts. Yes, because Passover has unleavened bread and first fruits are also feast with Passover. So there's three. Then there's Pentecost. Then there's tabernacles, sometimes called booths because of the way they celebrated it. And I can't really explain all that, but it had, they build structures and be out under the star. It's just a way that they celebrate it. And then with that is with, with tabernacles is the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of the Day of Atonement. So there are seven feasts, but there are three major feasts. And one of the major feast is Pentecost, which was the celebration of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. That's where it started, right? Now, let me explain what the word Pentecost means, because if you're here and that word, you know, however you feel about that word, I don't know. Some people feel great about it. Some people maybe are curious. Some people are maybe anxious. I don't know. I want to tell you what the word means, and it's pretty scary. So I just want to brace you with that. It's pretty scary. It's intimidating what the word means. Um, Penta is actually five, like a pentagram has five sides. And in the Greek, costi is actually to the 10th power. So the word Pentecost, here it comes, brace yourself. It means 50. Whoa. That's what it means. It just means, it just means 50. And, and the reason it means 50 is because it was celebrated 50 days after Passover. So where we get Passover is in the Exodus, where there are the 10 plagues, and the last one was the death of the firstborn. But God told Israel, hey, this plague is coming, but if you'll take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost, by the way, check this out, this is the way they applied it to the doorpost, across the top, right, and on the sides. Now, I want you to think about this. Because it's on the sides and across the top and the blood comes down, what does it make? It's a cross. And that's the way they were to apply it. And when death, when the death angel came and he saw the blood on the doorpost, he would pass over that family. And so that's where we get Passover and then you have the Exodus. And then 50 days later, they come to Mount Sinai and that's where the law is is given. Um, 
In Acts chapter 2, the text that we just read, and I pointed out some versions will say this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Well, what does that mean? Well, Acts chapter 2 is a fulfillment of what God initiated in Exodus chapter 19. In that in Exodus 19, the giving was the giving of the law. In Acts chapter 2, it's the giving of the Spirit. Now, how is that the same? Let me explain. It's really a cool picture if you understand law and grace. In, in Exodus 19, um, God is going to meet with Israel. This is Pentecost. God's going to meet with Israel. And there is a loud sound, right? There is fire and lightning and flashing. And there is smoke that descends. And then God wrote the commandments on tablets of stone. And then 3,000 people died. So not a great story, but that's where it started. But in Acts chapter 2... There's a loud sound. There's cloven tongues of fire. The spirit descends like a cloud. God writes his commands on the flesh of their hearts, our hearts, and 3,000 people are born again. I think it's, it's this verse, Paul says, because the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And I want you to think about how powerful Pentecost is in Acts chapter 2, because what is more powerful, trying to serve an external set of rules or having those, the, the heart of God inscribed on your heart? Like, what's more powerful? Having an external set of rules or a Holy Spirit who is riding on your heart the, 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 the plans and purposes and, and, and the commands, if you will, of God? It's absolutely incredible. So that, that is Pentecost. It's a feast. It's celebrated, and it's the giving of the laws where it started. But in Acts chapter 2, we see the fulfillment of it when the Holy Spirit was given. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. So three things I want you to understand as we talk about the Holy Spirit today, a great place for us to start. Number one, I want you to understand this. He is a person. He is a person. And, and I want you to understand this, and here's why. There are entire theological systems that would teach that the Holy Spirit is a force or he is a power. And I want you to understand he is powerful, but he is a person. And here's why I want you to understand that is because you can't have a relationship with a force or a power but you can have a relationship with a person. And so I want you to understand, I'm going to show you a lot of scripture. I want you to understand that he is a person that you can relate to. You know, I've thought about this. I think one of the things that holds us back from relating to the Holy Spirit is his, is his name. Because most of you, you know, when we talk about God, we say, well, God or, or the Father or Father God. Some people pray to Father God. Some people pray to Daddy God, and that freaks me out. But I just... <laughs> I'm sorry, and if you're one of those people, I love you. It just sometimes it's probably just a bad experience I had. Anyways, moving along, Father. So Father, we understand that pronoun, right? And, and Son, we understand that noun, right? But then we get to the Holy Spirit, and that just sounds very official. And I thought about this, and I thought, you know, God, you could have helped us out. You could have named the Holy Spirit something else. For instance, you could have named him Bill. Because then if you're from a very traditional 
church, they could call him William. Right? Churches like ours, we could call him Bill. And then there are other churches that call him Wild Billy. You don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, they would be like, praise the Lord, we think that God is here and William is with us. And we'd say, man, it's so good that Bill is moving. Then some of you would say, how, Billy? <laughs> Sometimes I don't know why in the world I get to preach. <laughs> God, surely you had somebody else. Um, He's like, no, I use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. <laughs> Anyways, it's, 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 but I want you to understand, he's a person. Now, when we talk about a person, um, like a simple definition is a person has a personality. But theologically, when we talk about a person, we say a person has a soul. And then all the theologians and all the smart people all the years have talked about, well, what comprises having a soul or how does a soul break down? What are the components of it? And a soul, we break down into three components, mind, will, and emotions. Maybe if you have mind, you have will, you have emotions, you're a soul. If you're a soul, then you're a person. So it's not just enough to say the Holy Spirit's alive. A tree is alive, right? But a tree does not have a soul, regardless of what some people may actually think. But um, the Holy Spirit is a person, so he has a soul. So let me, let me show you this in Scripture. So, so a soul means that he has a mind, a will, and emotions. So let me show you this. Number one, he has, he has a mind. Uh, Romans 8, 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Do you see that? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he searches the hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. John 14, 26. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. This is obviously Jesus talking. He will teach you all things. Now, how can you teach all things unless you know all things? And how can you know all things unless you have a mind to know? Do you see that? And then John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of the truth come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So here we have, if he's going to guide you into all truth, he would have to know all truth. And then look at this. This is bonus material. He has a mind, but he also has a mouth because it says he will speak. And most of the time you need to understand that when you hear God, however you hear God, if you felt the presence of God, like in this room today, most of the time, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and he has a mind and he knows all truth and he teaches it here. Here's, and he knows what the will of God is and he knows the thoughts of God. Paul said it this way, you know, that a man's, who knows the, the mind of a man or the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit, who knows the thoughts of God except God's own spirit. And then he goes on saying, we have the mind of Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. And, and here's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit knows everything and he knows the thoughts of God. And he has committed himself to teach you so that you can know what God thinks and you can know what God thinks about you. Yeah. Like, you know, we know Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have. One verse says, I know that I, the thoughts that I think towards you. Can I tell you, it is very helpful when you know what God thinks about you. 
Like you need to know. And, and can I just tell you, his thoughts about you are good thoughts. Yes. Right? And so we have the Holy Spirit so we can actually know the thoughts of God. So that we I, think about that. So, so he has a mind. Secondly, he has a will. Your, your mind is your thinking. Your will is your desires. But, but look at this, Acts 16, 6. It says, now when they had gone through a hard name to say, which was a town, and they, <laughs> like I was going to pronounce these, and honestly, my Bible program will teach me to pronounce them in a way it pronounced them for me, but it puts them all in Greek, and I don't speak Greek. So I don't know the actual East Texan translation of Favagira. But um, it says, it's, well, I could say it's for Ia. It's the G actually in Greek has like almost an E sound. So I can actually, but I'm not going to show off today. <laughs> so it says, now when they'd gone for Phrygia, yeah, that one, the region of Galatia. But here, Galatia, here's what I want to show. When they'd gone through this, this town or this region of Galatia, look at this. It says, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And then it comes back in verse 7, and they wanted to go to a couple other places. It said, but the Spirit did not permit them. I want you to see this. What is it to forbid something from happening? It is an exercising of your will. Like if you're a parent, you know what it is to forbid little people to do things. No, you may not go. No, you're not going to do that. Yes, you are going to go to bed. Like, you know what it is for you. And so here we have the Holy, this is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit saying, no, you, you can't go right now. No, I, I don't want you to go there. And then like in, in 1 Corinthians 12, we'll talk about this later, when it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts of the Holy Spirit as he wills. As he wills. And so I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a desire. And I want you to understand it's the same will that God has. And it's the same desire that God has. And I want you to think about how helpful is that, that the Holy Spirit is with us and knows. Because the number one question I get asked as a pastor many times is, how do I know God's will for my life? Let me help you how you know this. Know God. Know the Holy Spirit who knows God's will and guides you into truth. Like, like here he is, he has a will congruent and consistent with the will of God, desires congruent and consistent with the will of God. He's committed himself to be our teacher and our guide so that we can know not only what God thinks about us, but we can know God's will and God's desire for us. As a mind, he has a will, and then he has emotions, Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. What is grief? Grief's an emotion. Grief's an emotion. And, and I want you to think about that because so many times, and, and I see this as such a, a, a beneficial thing, because so many times when we're talking about grieving the Holy Spirit, usually the emphasis is almost, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, but sometimes the emphasis is, is a little condemning, like you have grieved the Holy Spirit of God. 
And, and, and sometimes that's accurate because we even see that. Go back to Isaiah 63. It's a parallel passage that Israel grieved the Holy Spirit of God. But I want you to understand what a benefit this is because what is grief actually? Grief is, is, is the loss of relationship. It's the loss of intimacy. It's, it's the loss of connectedness. Like when you lose a person or you lose a relationship, you grieve. And I want you to think about when the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit is, is with us and we're talking about the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Isn't this nice in, in this way that, that he can be grieved and he can be grieved by us and he lets us know when he's grieved because when we have grieved him, it means we are in danger of disrupting our relatedness, connectedness, and closeness with God. Not that God's moving away or running away. We thank God for grace. But when our heart condemns us, what does John say? We don't have confidence towards God. And in fact, in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 30, we read, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. But if you go back and look at the context, Ephesians 4, 26, it says, be angry and do not sin. And then it goes through there and it talks about corrupt speech and it talks about bitterness and malice and anger and envy and all those things. And what is, what is Paul saying? He's saying all these things grieve the Holy Spirit. All of these things grieve the Holy Spirit. See, I, I have a rule in relationships. My staff knows this rule. People close to me know this rule. And, and this is a rule. I will never be mad at you if you come and tell me, hey, you hurt my feelings or that disappointed me or whatever. I'll never be mad at you. Because you know what? As surprising as this may sound, I'm not perfect. I know. It, I understand. It's shocked too. A lot of people are shocked by that. But I understand. I understand. I'm not perfect. I'm a mess. And, and I might do something that could hurt someone. I would, hopefully would never do that intentionally. But what I say is, I can't do anything about it if you don't tell me. And so I always tell people, I will not be mad at you if you come to me and say, hey, this really disappointed me, this hurt my feelings, whatever the case may be, but I will be so mad if I found out that you're upset with me and you didn't tell me because you didn't give me the chance to own it or apologize for it or to say, I'm so sorry. You, you didn't give me the chance. You didn't tell me about the grief of our relationship being strained or disconnected. And I want you to think about what the Holy Spirit does. He lets us know when, by grief, when our relationship with God is in danger. He lets us know when we move away from God. Isn't this, isn't this good? Like, like, you know, it is, it is like this, we're talking about, you know, it's one thing to have tablets of stone, but it's another thing to have this person with you and because the Holy Spirit, have you ever said something or ever done something? And then you turn and the Holy Spirit says, I shouldn't have done that. Need to apologize for that. Hey, that's going to hurt you. Or better yet, have you ever written a really good text and you were about to hit send and the Holy Spirit said, no, I think that's going to be sin. And you're like... Have you ever, I have written so many texts I have never sent, but they were therapy for my soul. And I've sent them and the Holy Spirit said, no, that's going to be sin. That's going to grieve me if you send them. 
Right? This is a wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. Think, think about this. I said, mind, thinking, will, desire, emotions, feeling. Could it be that we have the Holy Spirit who is trying to help us think like God, desire what God desires, and feel what God feels? Because he is a person. Here's the second thing. You write this down. He's a person, but he is God. He's God. I think you need to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, we, there's a doctrine many, 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 many people um, ascribe to and, and affirm and believe the doctrine. We call it the doctrine of the Trinity. The, the doctrine of the Trinity basically says that God exists in three persons. There is one God, but there are three expressions, three functions, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we see this all throughout the Bible. We see the three, and all three, by the way, are eternal. Like Jesus didn't get invented in the New Testament and the Holy Spirit didn't get invented in Acts. You can find them throughout the Bible. In fact, if you go back before the beginning, you find all three. Uh, Genesis 1, in the beginning was God. The Bible takes no time to explain to your psyche where God came from, that he was eternal, or that he is God. It just makes the statement, in the beginning, God. But you skip a verse and you see, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. So here we are before creation, really. In the very beginning, we have God and the Holy Spirit. If we jump to John chapter 1, which kind of in a way parallels or the way it's written parallels Genesis um, because it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And we know contextually that passage is talking about Jesus, that Jesus was the Word. So he's saying, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was God, and Jesus was with God. So here's what I'm saying. You have three eternal people that are one God existing before the beginning, that you have God, the Father, the Holy Spirit is hovering, and Jesus is with God. Do you see that? So you have... You have all three. And, and when I looked up, I was looking at different verses that would show you all three. And there are tons of verses, but I'll just give you two that are kind of parallel from the words of Jesus in John 14, John 15, John 14. It says, but the helper, okay, so who's the helper, Jesus? The Holy Spirit, okay, whom the Father will send in my name. So, so here's what, you have Jesus talking, right? And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, and saying, the Father will send him. So there's all three. You can see the same thing in John 15, 26. It says, but when the helper comes, I will send to you who I, whom I will send to you from the Father. So there it is. So here's the helper. What we know who the helper is because John 14, the helper is the Holy Spirit. And, and we know Jesus is going to send him from the Father. So here you have all three, right? When, when Jesus gets baptized, by the way, he was baptized by a Baptist. In fact, the first Baptist, John the Baptist. And... These are the jokes, people. I didn't say they were good. I didn't say they were good. But when Jesus is being baptized, so you have Jesus being baptized, you have the voice of the Father saying, this is my Son, whom I'm well pleased, and you have the Holy Spirit descending as a dove and resting on Jesus. And by the way, I just want to point out, it wasn't a dove descending as the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. And I also want to just point out that John, the first Baptist, wasn't freaked out by the Holy Spirit coming down. Just trying to help everybody to the table today. Just <laughs> Right? 
And this is why, by the way, we baptize in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Why do we baptize that way? Because that's what the Bible says. Sometimes you can simplify things if you just do what the Bible says. Right? Because it says, you know, go preach the gospel of all creation, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why do you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Because that's what the Great Commission is, what Jesus, Jesus said so. Right? Jesus said so. It's a great answer, actually. And so you have all three. And then you have all three, but yet they're, they're also one. In fact, you know, Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Right? He is one. Genesis 1.26, this is, look at this, it says, Then God said, Let us make man. Let us. God is talking. He says, Let us. Did he have a mouse in his pocket? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> no, he was having a staff meeting with the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, Hey, let us make man in our image. And then look at verse 27. And then it says, So God created man. Look, it says, Let us. Shouldn't it say, So they? No, it says God. It interchanges us, right, with God. Plural, singular. He is, he is three in one. John 10, 30, Jesus says very, very clearly, plainly, I and my Father are one. In fact, he told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then look at this, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. It says, now the Lord is spirit, so the Lord is the Spirit. Do you see that? The Lord is the Spirit. And then it says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is. So let me ask you a question. Now the Lord is a Spirit. So is the Lord a Spirit or is it the Spirit of the Lord? And the answer is yes. Is the Lord the Spirit or are you talking about the Spirit of the Lord? Yes. Now you're getting it. And listen, can I, can I help you with something? Because some people, this, this, I don't know, I don't understand. Can I help you with something? If you could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be God, you would. And we need to understand sometimes that when we don't understand things in the Bible, it just means we don't understand things in the Bible. Like I had a friend who was an atheist and what he told me was God doesn't make sense. I can't understand him. And I said, yes, thus he is qualified to be God. If you could understand everything about God, you would be infinite and he would be finite. I have faith in him because faith is required when I don't understand. And sometimes we need to understand that trying to understand God is like trying to put the Pacific Ocean in a fishbowl. Yeah. Right? Right? And your brain is the fishbowl. <laughs> right? And so they exist three in one. How do they do that? I don't know. How did Jesus walk on water? I don't know. I don't know. It's okay, though. Acts 5, one more, one more for you, Acts 5. This is where Ananias and Sapphira, two people, uh, everyone was like selling land and bringing possessions and giving it to the church to take care of everybody. Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of land. They sold it, and when they brought the money, they said they gave all the money to the church when really they kept part of it back. It was not a crime to keep part of it back. There wasn't any, the, the crime was lying, right? 
And so this is what Peter says. Now, this, look at this. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Look at this. To lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land. Um, when it remained, was that not yours? After it was sold, it was yours to control. Look at what he says, though. You have conceived this thing. in your, Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Look at this. You have not lied to men, but to God. Did you see that? He said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And then he said, you didn't lie to men, you lied to God. He uses the Holy Spirit and God interchangeably, right? Why? Because they are three in one, right? You have to understand, I think, when we're talking about what they are and what they do, and this kind of gets us to the last point, but um, they're three in one because there's, there's like three functions, you know, it's probably three roles, maybe be, I mean, there's God, the father, right? I mean, he is the, he is, he is the or, originator of everything, right? The initiator of everything. That's masculinity there or whatever. Then, then there's the son and we know he, he had this specific lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Like this was his function. And then we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is, 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 is God with us. Jesus was God come. He was Emmanuel. So I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is Emmanuel. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying, I'm going to show you this in just a minute, but the Holy Spirit's with us. And, and I want you to understand this because um, if you think about it, biblically, theologically, where is God right now? He's on a throne. Where is Jesus right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So I want you to think about this. So, so if, if, if God is on the throne and Jesus is seated at his right hand, yet God will never leave us or forsake us, and God is always with us. How does he do that? The Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's how he, he does it. And the Holy Spirit, when you think about it, it says, Jesus said, go and wait on the promise of the Father until you're endued. That word really means clothed. Until you're clothed with power. He said, you receive power. This Acts 1. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you think about what, what's, what, what is his function, the Holy Spirit is, is, the, is, is the person of God, but he also has the power of God. So for God to move today, he doesn't have to point his finger from his throne and shoot lightning across the universe to where we're at. If that's you're thinking, no, God is God, God hit the person of the Holy Spirit is with us who, who, who distributes the power of God and who executes the will of God. And this is what he does. And he is active among us. So here's the last thing. So he's a person, he's God, but here's what you really need to understand. He is with you. He is with you. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is one of my favorite where you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in, in Scripture together. It's probably my favorite one. But 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Look at that. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. I, I like this verse for what it says because I, I think it, it gives such a distinction in the three. And, and, and it talks about, like, if, if you want to see grace, you got to look at Jesus. Like, he is grace personified. The law was given, but grace and truth came with Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ, John chapter 1. I mean, like, if you want to understand grace, man, you look at Jesus. 
right? If you want to understand grace, you look at Jesus when he's talking to the woman caught in adultery or the woman at the well or Jairus' daughter or the one with the issue of blood. I mean, if you, if, you, if you want to see, or the leper or the man at the pool of Bethesda, I mean, if you want to see the grace or the calling of the disciples or, or the way he comes back to meet with the disciples and Peter, even after Peter, like if you want to see grace, you look at Jesus. If you want to see love, you look at the Father. For God so loved the world. God is. But you know what's interesting about this? It says, then the communion of the Holy Spirit. Because honestly, when I'm thinking about their functions, if you will, and kind of what they do, and, and I'm thinking about God the Father and how loving he is, and I'm thinking about you know, God the Son and how gracious and, and, and how I see grace, then when I get to the Holy Spirit, I would expect to say the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I expect. And the reason is because Jesus said, you'll be clothed with power and, and you know, tarry and wait um, till the Holy Spirit comes. And, and when he comes, he's going to fill you with power and you're going to go and be witnesses, right? And so to me, if I were writing this, I would think, man, the grace of Jesus, but, but I love Paul because he's smarter than me. Because here's what he's telling the Corinthians. Hey, you need to see the grace of Jesus. You need to see the love of God but you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what he's telling them. You need, need, yeah, you you experience the grace of Jesus, experience the love of God, but but the way you experience the grace of Jesus and the love of God is through a relationship, ultimately with the Holy Spirit. Um, John 14, 17, Jesus says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, look at this, Talking about the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Look at that. He dwells with, dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you. Now, that the word that, that you know, many times, sometimes is, is translated advocate, sometimes helper, sometimes counselor. Um, that word in the Greek, a lot of people, uh, well, a lot of people, I think, miss it slightly. I don't know where it came from, probably somebody early on, but they say the, the paraclete is the word. And that's not actually the word, it's paracletos. Very close, but not exactly the word. Paraclete. In fact, I heard uh, one little boy came out of children's uh, ministry and said, today we learned about the parakeet who leads us. And, um, and so, um, but, but the word uh, is actually, when we talk about helper or advocate, um, the word is parakletos, it's broken apart, Para means alongside. Uh, Jesus would talk in parables. A parable was a story thrown alongside a truth to help you understand truth, right? So the way he helps us understand the, the love of the Father and grace and, is he gives us a parable of the prodigal son. And we realize all of us have been prodigal in some way in our life, but yet here's the Father full of grace restorative, like all these wonderful things. He, he throws, it's a story, para. But, but kletos is a really cool word because it means one who is called, invited, or summoned by God. So I want you to think about what, when, it, when Jesus is talking about this helper, right? When he's talking about this guide, when he's talking about this counselor, this advocate, I want you to understand what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is summoned and called by God to be beside you. To be with you. I don't know if that does a lot for you, 
but that does a lot for me. Like, you may feel alone, but you can't be. Because the Holy Spirit, who is a person and who is God, has been called, summoned, and invited by God to exist with you, alongside you, to guide you, to lead you, to teach you, to walk with you, to make sure you're never alone, to make sure you're never in the dark. Like he has committed himself to be alongside you step by step the rest of your life. That's why when Jesus said, it is, it is, it is for your benefit that I go away. Why, Jesus? Why would it be for our benefit that you leave us in this planet and you leave? Because he said, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And what Jesus is saying right now, I'm limited by the flesh that, my, that I have taken on. I am limited by your flesh. I can't be with Jairus's daughter and at the same time be walking on water. Like I, I can't be in two places. I, I can only be here. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be called by God and summoned by God to be with every believer all the time, to walk with you in life, to be your closest friend. Like he, he is with you. And then Jesus goes a little bit farther. He is in you. Now I'm going to have fun with this because if you're here and you were raised to be a little bit scared of people that talk about the Holy Spirit, are you a little bit timid or anxious about the Holy Spirit? I got some bad news for you. Because if God's on the throne and Jesus sitting next to him, and if you've been born again, Wild Billy is in you. Wild Billy is in you. You're one of those people. <laughs> That's what he said. Jesus said he will be with you. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> While Billy's your roommate. Because <laughs> he will be in you. And you're like, I don't know if I believe that. Let me give you a scripture you quote all the time. Maybe you didn't ever notice, but it said, don't you know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God. Like, like he, is, he is with you, but he is in you. And, and I just, as, as a close, because I'm talking about our closest friend, and I want you to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm in no way minimizing God, not at all. In no way minimizing the Father or the Son and just saying, no, you should just pray to the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not. We're taught how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we're taught how to pray. I want you to understand, though, you have a friend who is your closest friend because you're roommates, who is with you every step of the way, who can teach you, who, who can help you. This is one of my favorite translations when it said, the one we read, like, you know, the helper, the Holy Spirit. And, and I was thinking about this just in my own life, and I was thinking about this because it says he guides us and, and he teaches us. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, um, there are times when I'm preaching and I'll say something like, man, that's good, right? And, and I don't, and, and I say this, I've had, I've had people not, not, and I'm not hating on anybody or throwing shade. I've had people kind of like, oh, is he arrogant? But you don't, if you know me, you know, the reason I said it was good is because I'd never thought about it until it came out. 
And then I knew from whence it came was not I. And I was just as shocked as you that that came out. And that's why I say, oh, that's good. Because I'm kind of amen in the Holy Spirit. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And, and I'll, I'll be honest. I have preached messages a lot better than me. Because I know me. And I've listened to some things that, has, that I've said and thought, God, that had to be you. Like when, G, you know, when Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus says, who do men say to him? And all of a sudden Peter comes out, thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, Peter, you're not smart enough. <laughs> I have that experience every weekend. So please know, and, and, I, and I remember... Uh, one of our elders and, and our elders, I love our elders, and none of them, by the way, are impressed by me in, in that they all know me so well. They know all my flaws. I think every sin, I think everything, like they, this just is safe for our church. It's safe for me if they just know, right? And, and, so, and so I had an elder one time. He, I made something. He said, hey, when you said that was amazing. And I told him, I said, I know. He's like, I never thought about that. I said, me neither. I said, but I was sitting, and this has happened many times, and I'm sitting at my computer, and I'm looking at a verse, and I'm like, I don't get it, God. I don't get it. I want to get it, but I don't get it. And I told him, I said, this was the case in this particular message. I was just stuck because I'm like, there's something here. I just don't understand this verse. I don't get it. And I said, it was like I felt the Holy Spirit come look over my shoulder and say, hey, what you looking at? And I'm like, I'm looking at this verse and I can't figure it out and I'm not getting any help from you. <laughs> and in a moment, it's like the Holy Spirit said, well, I wrote it. Do you want me to explain it? <laughs> That'd be good. And in a moment, all of a sudden it made sense and all these other verses from the Bible just, and I was like, wow, you know what I'm saying? And, and I want you to understand when it says he helps us, it says that he teaches us. And I want you to understand, I don't have a special deal with him. I have the same relationship with him that you have or can have in that if he can sit down and explain something to me, he can explain something to you. He can teach you. I remember some of the hardest things I've gone through in my life because another way that, that we relate to him is, is as a comforter. Like God is the God of all comfort, but the Holy Spirit is, is the presence of God that can comfort. And I remember going through something very hard, very, very difficult. And I remember I just felt by myself until all, the, all of a sudden I felt I'm not by myself. And it was like the Holy Spirit sat down beside me like Jesus did Mary and Martha and said, hey, I know. Hey, I get it. And hey, it's all going to be okay. I mean, he's, he's the teacher, right? He, he's, he's the the, the comforter, he encourages. Do you know he helps us pray? The Bible says, Romans 8, when I don't know how I should pray, the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact, I'll read this. I don't know if you know this, but most of the time we don't know how to pray because it says, verse 26, Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray. He's saying, hey, a lot of times we don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit knows the desires of God the thoughts of God, the feelings of God. A few weeks ago, um, I was dealing with something 
And uh, I don't know if you ever deal with things, but I, I seem to deal with things. I know some of you probably are well above that and beyond that in your Christian walk. And you don't ever have bad days. And But I was dealing with something in, in that I had just like this, it, it wasn't like depression or anxiety, but it was just this, I called it a foreboding feeling. Like it just, I just, I wake up feeling like something's going to go bad. Something's going to go wrong. And there wasn't really any reason for me to feel that way because really across my dashboard, like my kids are doing well, church is doing well. I think I'm doing okay. You know, I mean, like, and so I'm just sitting here. I'm like, man, I just, I can't figure this out. But it was so real and I would feel it. And you have to understand feelings are real and they're valid, but they're not always factual. Like if you can ever understand feelings are not facts, it will help you, right? And so I'm smart enough, like it wasn't like I wasn't doing my work or like, you know, crawling under the bed or something. But unfortunately, I don't have a lot of patience and grace for myself. I seem to have pretty good grace for everybody. And I have a lot of patience except for the Whataburger drive-thru line. I don't have patience for that. I can't, I love me a Whataburger, but you can ask my kids. We went five Whataburgers in Dallas one time and I'm like, I can't do it, kids. I can't. There's like five cars. It's going to take a year. I can't do it. And so, so anyways, I, and, and I love Whataburger, by the way. I'm not hating on Whataburger. I'm just telling you my own struggles. And so, and so, um, but I just had this sense and, you know, I talked, this good friend of mine, we talked about it, talked to my brother about it, you know, even shared a little bit with the staff, have a counselor, talk to him about it. And it, and it was just kind of there and, and I'm smart enough to pull it out and say, I know this isn't factual, but it sure is irritating me. Like I just don't have patience and grace. Like I just, I want to be myself and this is bothering me. Right. And I, and I never forget, I, I was, I was praying and it was like the Holy Spirit showed up and it was like he, he said, I, I want to talk to you about that. And I was like, man, that'd be great. <laughs> and in a minute, he just kind of explained kind of where it was coming from, what it was. And then, and then really just kind of explained, this is what you want, this is what you need to do about it. It's really interesting because he said, I want you to just, I want you to start writing down every promise from scripture write it down. And they said, I want you to practice gratitude. I was like, well, that's easy. That's the best, that's the easiest prescription I've ever got. And I want you to know when he explained like, Hey, there's some trauma and this is where this is coming from. And no, it's not me. And no, it's not real, but I know you're feeling it. But if you'll focus this way, then, then it, you know, you'll get through it essentially. And really just a few days of that really. And it just kind of disappeared. And I want you to know when I'm talking to you that you have the same Holy Spirit and he's your helper and he can be your counselor. And there are times when we just are a hot mess. We don't know what's going on with us. And yet we have an advocate. We have a counselor. We have a helper who can comfort, who can teach, but who also can counsel. And he counsels us based on the wisdom of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God, and even how God feels. He's your closest friend. Amen. 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 Can you give Jesus praise today? And why don't you stand? And as you stand, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. We like to end all of our worship experiences, times together with prayer for anyone who needs prayer for anything. We're just here to serve you.
And so in a moment, we're gonna pray, we'll dismiss, but if you need prayer, we would love for you to come and let us pray with you. But I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads if you're in this room today, and we're gonna pray. And Father, I just thank you so much for the promise and the person of the Holy Spirit. God, who we have from you, you sent him. And God, I pray for, for our church, Lord, for every person. Lord, if there's been any negative understandings or stigmas concerning the Holy Spirit, I just pray in this time that we spend in your word, God, that all those would be erased and we'd find great comfort in knowing the Holy Spirit. And God, I also pray in our hearts there'd be a desire to know the Holy Spirit, to be filled and full of the Holy Spirit, to trust the guidance, leadership, and direction of the Holy Spirit. But God, I just pray for every person, Lord, you have given us a friend who is with us, who walks alongside us. He's a good friend. And God, I pray everyone would get to know you, get to know him. With our heads bowed, I just wanted you to wonder what the Holy Spirit's saying to you today. And maybe you just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this moment? Like maybe you just need to hear his voice. Maybe he can talk to you. Maybe, maybe you need to ask him about a situation or something you don't understand. Maybe he would be willing and able to speak to that. And then while we're listening, I just wanna take a moment while we're listening and maybe there's someone, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're in the room. And when I talked about grieving the Holy Spirit, moving away from God, and maybe in that moment or maybe now, you may feel something that really is the Holy Spirit letting you know that you've moved away from the Lord or that there's something that's hindering your relationship with, with God. And if that's you, I just want to pray for you. I'm not saying you're not saved at all. I'm not saying you're a bad person. We all, listen, there's been many times the Holy Spirit's had to talk with me about things that I let get in the way or that was hindering my relationship with God. So this is in no way an indictment. It's an opportunity. And so no one's looking around, every head's bowed. I don't, I'm not gonna call you out and embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you. But if you're in this room or you're online and you're like, you know what, there's just... Yeah, I, there's, the Holy Spirit's letting me know I need to move back towards God or there's something that's hindering my relationship with God, whatever it is. Would you just lift your hand up where you're at and say, hey, that's me, no one's, yeah, God bless you, thank you. Yeah, so many hands. Oh, it just it does my heart good. So many hands. And I'm gonna pray with you. I, I, I just, I just wanna pray, this is my heart today. I just wanna pray for you. And I want you to understand how gracious God is and how loving he is and how when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And you don't have a God who's condemning. You don't have a God who's angry today. You have a God who just says, hey, I sent the Holy Spirit to let you know something's going on so you can move towards me. And that's what you're doing. And so God, I just pray for these today as they lifted their hands, Lord. God, I thank you that, that you're drawing them. And Lord, the fact they raise their hand tells me they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful thing. And Lord, the Holy Spirit, he just moves us towards God and that's what's happening in this room. And so God, I just pray for them that right now, Lord, if it's, if it's sin that's crept in or God, I just pray they would just repent and ask for forgiveness. God, if they've just been distant pursuing other things, God, I help you. I, I pray you just help them adjust their focus, what, whatever it is. God, they raise their hands and they're drawing near to you and God, you're drawing near to them. And I just pray, God, in this moment, there would be that grace that grace of 
forgiveness, that grace of mercy, that, that love, God, that you freely bestow on us. God, I pray they'd experience those things, God, as you draw them to us. And Lord, help us all to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in communion with you. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness, for all you've done today, for all you're doing. God, we celebrate your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, one more time. You got a praise or a shout or a clap. Or... God is so good. Listen, I love you. You're amazing and wonderful. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. Everyone else, big God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next weekend.